Did you know that if you don't look out for number one, you will fall by the wayside? Who's number one? Well, you are number one, and you need to look out for number one most of all. Don't expect anyone else to do it for you. Therefore, I have the question that I want you to think about in this podcast. If you don't look out for number one, if you don't look out for yourself, who will? Who is going to take care of you? Probably nobody. Which is why your best course of action is to look out for yourself. Make you the number one priority in your life. It is wise and it is biblically smart. And it is why I've titled this podcast, Why I Am Number One and Look Out for Myself Most of All. Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here. Karen, thank you for the note that I just read that you sent in that the podcast are helping you to grow and, and to have some wonderful conversations with those that you love the most, and I'm so glad about that. I shared this idea with someone a few years ago, and <laughs> they looked at me like I had two heads. They never thought about this idea of taking care of number one and them being number one. Uh, they knew about love God and love others most of all. They knew about our self-esteem culture that is so self-focused and so self-centered, but there is a there, there's a nuance here. There's some there's a there's a third door that you could walk through and I want to talk about it in this podcast. Let me get into it and if you want to read this podcast, I want you to again the title why I am number 1 and look out for myself most of all. You can type the word number 1 in the search box and that will get you to this article, but please understand we have a rule in our ministry that if you read an article, you have to share it with 1000 of your closest friends. So uh, make sure you do that, and I would greatly appreciate it. Now, Christians know the Lord is number one, and nobody will supplant his throne-entitled position. Looking out for yourself assumes you have the Lord as number one. You see, common sense says if God is not number one in your life, you cannot look out for yourself well. And so when I talk about looking out for number one, I am speaking of the human kingdom, which implies you have your divine kingdom priorities in ship shape. And so we're going to just bring it down a notch or two and just think exclusively about the, well, not exclusively, but mostly about the human kingdom in this podcast, making you the number one priority in your life. It is not a nod to the self-esteem worldview, one of those options that's out on the table that our culture passionately touts as the path to success. Their perspective is a penchant for being the top dog who eats all the other dogs while embarking on a quest for self-inflated greatness. Not talking about that. 
They live within an ecosystem that exalts a competition that is in line with their evolutionistic survival of the fittest mandate. Not talking about that. When I talk about looking out for number one, well, my worldview, it starts in another place. It begins with a Bible in hand. And it sends you in an antithetical, countercultural direction. This concept that I'm presenting to you is straightforward. Let me put it in a succinct nutshell. If you haven't discerned it thus far, you could say it like this. If you do not take care of yourself, you won't be able to fulfill your mandate of loving God and others as you should. Neglecting yourself will reduce your effectiveness in God's world. And so the two great commandments is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, there is an implication, there's an understanding there that you love yourself And that's what I'm talking about in this podcast. How do you love yourself in a biblically proper way so you can fulfill the two great commandments? Because, well, you can't love yourself like the world. That is the self-esteem stuff that's out there. And you shouldn't have a worm theology, woe is me, hating yourself view. And so somehow you should love yourself as a person made in the image of God. And I'm saying it with my quirky title for this podcast, why I am number one and look out for myself most of all. You know the two great commandments, Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, Jesus said, and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are eight, I'm sorry, there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible reduced to four words. Love God, love others. Jesus had a way of putting things on the bottom shelf for me, maybe for you. What is the most concise mission statement that you can have? Four words. Love God, love others. That's how we have taught our children. You just hold up four fingers and say, if you can accomplish this, you can have a successful life, a biblically successful life. Love God, love others. And the cool thing is, is that one of those words is repeated twice. And so they're really just three words, love God, others, love God, love others. If you can successfully pull off the two great commandments, you will have the most remarkable life an individual can have. The question that I want you to think about in this podcast is how you can have this kind of life. The place where I want you to start is with you. You have to look out for number one. If you don't, your life's effectiveness will weaken in proportion to how much you ignore yourself. And so let my redundancy sink in The only way you can successfully pull off a vibrant Christian life is to take care of yourself. 
as you rest and rejoice in God's sovereignty and grace over your life, think about your role in cooperating with Him. How are you stewarding your faith walk? What are you doing to keep yourself in optimal spiritual and physical shape as you can to do your part in cooperating with God's grace and his power? Isn't it great that we are not programmable robots, but relational beings who can interact with our creator? As you think about your relationship and responsibility Here's what I want you to do. First, address your motive for this, because this is crucial. This is a a watershed uh, question. What is your motive for taking care of yourself? As I mentioned earlier about the self-esteem world, where we know what their motivations are, it it is some version of a self-actualized self to accomplish whatever self-centered goals that they may have. But we, too, must address our motives as well, because we know that all of life finds its headwater in the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And so what is your motivation for taking care of yourself? Your answer should hopefully set you apart from how the world thinks about physical fitness and spiritual disciplines. They want to be rich and famous and healthy and smart and whatever value that propels them to that self-actualized greatness. The Christian's motive for physical and spiritual fitness is to is to position them to love God and others in the most effective ways possible. Our worldview is worlds apart from how the world thinks about these matters. If your passion for taking care of yourself is to fulfill the two great commandments, wow, you're in a great spot. And then the next reasonable question is, how are you doing it? Let's say that your passion is to take care of yourself spiritually and physically because your motivation are the two great commandments. Well, then I want you to start teaching others so that they can have that motivation and they have a practical framework for taking care of themselves physically and spiritually. I, I, you, I, I talk about spiritual and physical. I'm talking about your dichotomy, stewarding your dichotomy. We are two parts. We are physical and spiritual. You could say material and immaterial. You could say organic and non-organic. That's a dichotomy to fulfill the two greatest commandments. Christians must take care of both components, both parts. Now perhaps it would help you to uh, less, less, perhaps it would help you to think of yourself as a car. Let's say that you have a new car, praise God, and, and you want it to have a long and productive life as most of us do. What are some of the things you would do to, to make sure you got the most for your money? Most Christians would start by, well, thinking about themselves, that they would start by talking about their Bible reading and their prayer life. 
when, when you start talking about what would you do to make sure you got the most for your money, that you have a long and productive life like my car analogy. I think if you talk to any Sunday school class or any group of Christians, somebody is going to say Bible reading and prayer life. And they should. Somebody better say that. These are two vital necessities without question. They are also obvious answers. What about a few other areas in your life that need your attention so you can operate at optimal levels? I want to give you a big one. I want to give you one, just one. You see, I can't give you an exhaustive list of things that we should be thinking about in order to get our get ourselves up and running like that automobile. So I just want to give you one, three words for you, pace of life, your pace of life. One of the most significant hindrances in too many Christian lives is their time management practices. They are too busy doing the wrong things. They're not taking care of themselves the right way. Thus, they are compromising how they could fulfill the two great commandments of loving God and loving others most of all. The tyranny of the urgent and the cares of life have so encroached into our time and relationships that Christ, for too many of us, he becomes a part-time add-on. Now, if this is you, I'm not judging you, I'm not doing that at all, but if this is you, it's vital that you understand how this problem of your pace of life problem, it didn't start when you became an adult. Some people think that way. Oh, wow, I got married, I got some children, and I am so busy, I just can't manage it all. They think that problem started there. No, today's lack of time traces back to the days when they weren't, these people weren't so busy. You see, our habits, good or bad, have a history. Habits just don't Boom, ex nihilo, just start. And, and, and there they are. No, habits have a history. And if you don't have time management practices now, there's a history there. If you have outstanding time management principles, well, you learned them before you became busy. Let me give you an illustration. We'll have a mastermind student, a person that will come into our mastermind program, our all-online self-paced biblical counseling program, and they will not know how to blend the training into their pre-existing lives. And so they are moving down this river of life, and then they add this other thing into it. They like the thought of what the program could do for them, so they bite the bullet and they enroll then they realize they're too busy and they can't manage it all. And then alternatively, we'll have another mastermind student who will enroll and they will busy themselves with the program because they know how to do three things. One, make proper choices. Two, prepare for a new thing. And three, pace their life without burying themselves under the weight of their decisions. Your ability or inability to perform a task, it reveals the previous prep you put into doing something well. Suppose I wanted to join the local track club. I love running and I want to hang out with those with a similar passion. So I joined the club. On the first day of the first practice, I realized it was a terrible decision. Why? 
because I had not been prepping myself in such a way that I could perform what was required. My inability in that present moment of joining the track club, well, it traces back to a lack of disciplining myself. Knowing how to pace yourself and manage your time does not come by osmosis. There used to be a time when teenagers received the training. Now I'm going back from adulthood to, I I said earlier, that habits have a history. And so I'm going to go back from adulthood to the teenage life. There used to be a time when teenagers received the training they needed to live well in God's world as adults. And then when they stepped into independent adulthood in their late teens or early 20s, they hit their stride quickly because their parents and church had been teaching them for, let's say, about 20 years how to be a grown-up in God's world. Most modern teens live a different life than one that equips them for the rest of their lives. Parents cart them off to never-ending sporting events and other activities that they will leave once the curtain falls on their teen lives. And then some folks will hear this as me throwing the teen activities under the activity bus. I'm not throwing the activities under the activity bus, unless the things your teen is doing is not teaching your teen how to love God and others most of all. There's nothing wrong with the events in and of themselves. There could be something wrong with them if they are part of the reason your child is not ready for life and you ain't got no time in your day or your week. There are two parts to the busy teen problem. One is that it can be something to preoccupy the kid without a redemptive forward focus. The other potential trap is the parent who becomes the child's Uber driver, research assistant, financier, and entertainment director. My point is that an adult who does not manage his time and life well, does so because it's a learned behavior. It is as though people expect the life gods to bestow these skills on them after they become adults. The life gods don't work that way. If you don't train your children to manage their lives as adults, there is a high chance they will become slaves to their choices like so many who have gone before them. I'm too busy is one of the biggest deterrents to the sanctified life. People make too many choices without proper biblical reflection, like the obese person standing before the buffet. There is only one way it's going to go for him. He will do what he has always done. Poor decision-making that leads to a complicated life is one of the more remarkable things about Christ's life because nobody had a to-do list like his, which had only one item on it, save the world. Yet he always had time. He would not overextend himself, and he lived a doable pace. He took care of himself spiritually and physically 
which allowed him to operate at the highest optimal level. The question for you is, who controls you? Do people control you, the tyranny of the urgent? Who runs your calendar? My questions have two parts, who controls you and who runs your calendar. You should be free from the power of others, but you also must have clear priorities so you can make the right decisions. People freedom releases you to do what you want to do or what you need to do, what you should do for God's glory. People freedom, that's why I said who controls you. You need people freedom. You need to be free from people so that you can think clearly and operate in the most biblical way you can. And then, who runs your calendar was my second question. You need clear priorities. Biblical priorities manage what you do. And so if you have people freedom, you're released from being controlled by other people, and you have biblical priorities that manage you, wow, you're in a great spot. Jesus was free from the fear of others, and he was always ready to do his father's business. That's how he answered those two questions, who controls you and who runs your calendar? Well, Jesus was free from the fear of others, and so he he had people freedom, and it released him to do what he wanted to do. And because he had biblical priorities, well, he was always ready to do his father's business. He had a travel plan. If you don't have a travel plan, you'll go wherever the wind blows you. Jesus knew where he was going, which gave him a way, because he knew where he was going, it gave him a way to make decisions. He lived in the perfect balance between structure and spontaneity. He was not so structured that the Spirit of God could not work in his life. He was not so spontaneous that he could not do what God had called him to do. Are you free and clear? Are you free from the manipulations of others managing your life? Are you clear on your priorities? These questions are significant and life-altering. Now, perhaps you have over-obligated yourself. Maybe you have said yes too many times, therefore you're under the control of too many people or the wrong people, and it doesn't permit you to do what you should be doing. And if this is you... You're not taking care of number one. You're not taking care of yourself the way that you should, and you have some tough decisions that you need to make. The title of this podcast is Why I Am Number One and Look Out for Myself Most of All. I am talking, I've been talking mostly about pace of life because that is where. Too many of us mess up poor decision-making without biblical clarity because we don't have the right motivations or we just don't know how because we've never been trained to live well as adults. And so we just keep tacking things onto our lives, and after a while, we're buried under those things. I have one final question here, and and I want you to really give this some thought because you probably hear more about spiritual disciplines than health disciplines. But when you look out for number one, there's one there's the health aspect that uh, too often we drop the ball on. And I understand this temptation as well as anybody because this is hard for me too. 
You see, Christians should be the most motivated people on the planet to take care of themselves. This need to take care of ourselves, it is where the world outshines too many of us. They pursue health like there is no tomorrow. We should pursue health because there is a tomorrow. God has given us the most profound message a person will ever hear. hear. The call to share the gospel should motivate us to be more zealous than our culture. We want to maximize the opportunities and the possibilities of communicating this great message to the world, eating the right foods, getting enough rest, taking care of our bodies should be part of every believer's life. There's never been an age where how to take care of our fearfully and wonderfully made bodies has been more plenteous. We should be spoiling the Egyptians by taking their knowledge and using it to take better care of our bodies so we can be more productive in God's mission field. How we take care of ourselves is not a trivial thing. Taking care of yourself should be of utmost importance. Why? Because you're number one. If you want to read this article, please go to our website, rickthomas.net. Again, the title, Why I Am Number One, and look out for myself most of all. You need to take yourself by your neck, and you need to shake yourself and say, I'm going to take care of myself, and I'm going to, to figure it out. Now, I've covered a lot of ground in this podcast, though, as I said earlier, it is not exhaustive. I have some questions here at the end of it under the call to action section, which will help you to think through what you have just heard. Now, perhaps getting with a friend and talking about these things will be the impetus you need to spur you on to a greater freedom in Christ that releases you to work in a way that has more redemptive and eternal value and impact. Let me share with you a a couple of these questions. I will not be able to get to all of them, but I just want to give you a taste for them because I do want you to print off this article or or, or to make sure you, you have it and that you read it and you spend some time reflecting on it. Question number one, what are your thoughts about looking out for number one? Before you heard this podcast, can you go back about 30 minutes ago? And as you thought about taking care of number one, what were some of the thoughts that went through your mind? Has it, Have you changed? Has something changed? Do you need to change your thinking in any way about this idea of taking care of number one? Now, if you do need to change your thinking, then what is your plan to do so? I, I ask you a yes or no question. It's a closed-ended question, not the best kind of question to ask. That's why I follow up with what is your plan An open-ended question, to do so. If you do need to change something in your thinking, if the answer is yes, I need to change something, then you need to stop right now. You need to stop soon and begin to pray through. Ask God to help you. Talk with this other person and develop a plan. Question number two, what are one or two things that keep you from loving God and others most of all? And so just list one or two things. One's probably enough to start with. If you know that you can be loving God and loving others most of all, but you just can't quite get there right now, what 
what's something that is hindering you from doing that? Number three, are you great at taking care of your body and soul? You say, man, I've nailed this. I'm doing it. Before you move on, I want you to answer this question. What is your motive for for doing so? Would your motivations for taking care of your body and soul, would they reveal biblical priorities or would they reveal cultural ones? And then it would be good to discuss why you answered the way that you did. Question number four, what does your busyness reveal about your treasure? You remember what Jesus said in in Matthew, that, that where our treasure is, our heart is there also. And so as you look at your calendar, maybe you can look, maybe you have a calendar on your computer and you can look at it. And as you look at it, what what does that activity, what does it reveal about your treasure? What does it reveal about your heart? Do they show how Christ is the number one treasure in your life? Question number five, if you have children, how are you equipping them to live as adults? What are the things that you're doing now, the activities that they're involved in, whatever they may be, however you're doing that, how is it equipping them for the rest of their lives? Because at some point, they're going to step out of the house for the last time as autonomous beings, independent, taking care of themselves. Will they be able to do that? How is your training leading them to that wonderful day? Why well, I am number one and look out for myself most of all. Please read the article. Please share it with 1,000 of your closest friends. Also, if you want to talk to us, we would love to chat with you. We have a free community forum that is brought to you by those who support our ministry. And so we want you to come and ask whatever questions you may have, and if we can serve you, even in the smallest way, let us know.